All right, welcome back, pool fans from across the country and around the world. You are listening to American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week. It is September the 15th, 2016. And what's going on in the pool world? Well, I guess we should give out some congratulations to John Mora. Uh, and, oh, yes, Ricky Casper, too. The male and female that won the Texas Open this past week. Congrats to those guys uh, for a job well done. And, uh, oh, gosh, AZ Billiards just launched a new electronic magazine um, last month. The second edition is out for September. You want to go stop by AZ Billiards and check on that. And uh, did you watch the uh, World 14 one? last week oh boy uh yeah <laughs> the world 14 one competition uh just went just finished up this past week uh weekend out at steinway billiards in new york it was a great event uh as far as player participation and uh, some exciting pool uh there was also a little bit of a dispute there in the semifinals where we had earl playing against jason shaw um, Earl mistakenly uh, mistakenly called the two when he was shooting at the ten, and this erupted into a big dispute, big problem. Uh, Earl uh, was allowed to stay on the table. Uh, allegedly, he had committed the exact same foul earlier in the game or earlier in the match, and. Uh, yeah, so it's a little bit of a debacle there. Uh, I'm going to lay the blame on the ref. <laughs> I think if he had been verbally uh, verifying the, the the shots each turn, then then maybe wouldn't, we wouldn't be there. But nonetheless, it was a little uncomfortable, and so we decided to talk to uh, somebody that was there on the front row, watch the whole thing happen. Mr. Darren Appleton was there doing commentary at the time. Uh, and Darren has a couple of surprises up his sleeve so you're going to want to stick around for the conversation with Darren. We'll be back with him right after this. Welcome back to American Billion Radio. This is a Legends and Champions Report. I am your host, Mark Cantrell. And there's uh, a few things that have been going on over the, let's say, the last week. And... Uh, that news has just been released, and so uh, I wanted to bring my buddy Darren Appleton onto the show because he was he's involved in both of them in some extent. So uh, we've got Darren with us. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, thank you. How you all doing? Still trying. Still trying. If I had your money, I'd burn mine. But you know, that's just, that's the way it goes, isn't it? Um, what I want to start with is something that happened uh, last weekend. You were there. You were doing commentary. Uh, it's been all talk. Everybody's been talking about the uh, Earl and Jason straight pool match, yeah. and th- there's lots of people who've got different opinions and versions of what happened. I, you know, I'd like to hear what is what is your opinion on what happened and was the decision right or wrong. Well, I think firstly, uh, I think uh, unless you're really there, it's really difficult to really understand and comment because uh, the first problem you've got really is that it's a gentleman's game. 
and obviously uh, he's supposed to call the shot, but 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 the players only call the shot if it's not an obvious shot. So with the situation with Earl and Jason, is that about halfway through the match, uh, Earl played a obvious combination. Uh, I think it was like the one onto the fifteen or something, but it was wired. But he called the wrong ball, and the referee and the referee said to him, uh, "It's loss of turn because she called the wrong ball." So that was a bit harsh, in my opinion, because it's obvious where he was shooting. But the rules are the rules, and obviously uh, that's out of Jay's Jason Shaw's handler. I mean, obviously the the referee called the shot, uh, blah blah. So so uh, Jason uh, come to the table, and uh, uh, and Earl got punished for it. So. So what happens then is that you're leaving yourself up for a fall if you're not going to make the same call again for the same situation. So like obviously later in the match, I think this goes like 184 to 190. So like, and it, and it was a terrible standard. The, the the match was like littered with lots of misses. So obviously the pressure was rising. And Earl been Earl a few times when Jason was shooting, he, he went and sat like 50 feet away from where... Jason was shooting and not, and obviously he, 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 he also was talking a little bit while Jason was shooting all that stuff. So that so obviously there was a, there was some like uh, banter in the match, let's say, and obviously that uh, that that feels like the frustration and the anger, let's say, towards Jason's side. And so so obviously when Earl played the ten ball in the in the last rap, basically he played the ten ball, which is obvious, which is shooting, but he called the two ball, which is in the stack. And obviously, after he, he, he makes contact with the ten ball, the white ball is guaranteed to go into the stack. So, obviously, he's called the wrong shot, but obviously, we all knew which ball he was trying to make. But because the referee called it the first time, uh, so obviously, when when Earl shot shot the wrong ball, he called. Jason's obviously stood up and said, "You you called the two ball." And then, obviously, uh, the referee's sitting right next to Jason and. You can see on one of the videos, and I don't know if you've seen it, that 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 the referee is watching. So why the referee wouldn't call call the uh, why he wouldn't call her on the second shot? I don't know. Maybe the pressure of the situation, because obviously it's really it's going to decide the match one way or the other. Because obviously the, the the table was laying very nicely, and obviously at that level, if Jason comes to the table, he only needs. Uh, 16 balls, so obviously he's a massive uh, favourite to win the match from there. But obviously, if Phil gets, if Phil does, doesn't get it called on him, then obviously he's going to win the match because uh, the the table's laying very easy. But and obviously, with Will's reaction after he made the 10 ball, he he uh, knew he, he called the wrong the wrong ball. But obviously, once once he could see that the referee uh, has hasn't called called the the ball, and obviously he's like defend himself, which is probably in his right to do so because he he was just trying to make the ten ball. But the problem we've got really is that there was no consistency in the call. So when obviously uh, the tournament director got involved and he's like took twenty minutes to make a call, and then obviously made a bit of a circus about it. I think that didn't help the situation as well, especially towards Jason. Because uh, obviously, when he come back, he uh, give the call to Will to the shooter. So obviously, that uh, probably upset Jason even more, and it's just a really unfortunate situation. Uh, but I go back to what I mean. Obviously, when he when I was commentating on the match, I, I'm thinking like it, 
I didn't hear him call the, the two ball because I had the headphones on and obviously I think I, wa- I was speaking while he was just about to shoot it so I, I didn't hear the call on, on the commentary. So my view is that he obviously is playing the 10 ball but obviously later when you find find out it's called the the, the wrong coloured ball and, it, and he's already got in trouble for it the first time then obviously uh, you've got to stick to the rules and that is that Jason should have got the call even though it's very harsh. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't understand why he'll call in the balls when you don't need to. So he'll sort of like shot himself in the foot a little bit also. So it, it all was a very unfortunate thing really and uh, pre- pretty sad to what was like a really exciting match cause, because of all the drama in the match and uh, obviously there was a lot of misses, a lot of pressure and it was very, very sad sad to end on that note really because... Uh, Obviously, in the semi-final of a world championship as well. So, uh, my view is that Jason should have got the call because he got it the first time. But, but on the other hand, it, it, it's a little bit harsh because it, it, it's obvious that uh, Earl was trying to shoot the 10 ball. But, but, but what happens if he misses the 10 ball? The white go, goes in, in to the stack and he flukes the 2 ball. And then the Earl... Earl and the referee could say, well, you, you were called the uh, two, so you, you were carry on shooting. And then obviously it's going to be even more. And I mean, even, I mean, it, if that would have happened, then there would have been like an uproar. So, so it was a tricky situation. Yeah, it was, uh, the, the, the first foul, that was what set the precedence for the rest of the, the game. Um, yeah. I, I was talking to Dave Bond, by the way, the producer of American Billion Radio, is also on the line with us. I didn't introduce him in the beginning. Sorry, Dave. That's okay. Um, (laughs) I was was talking to Dave earlier and said, you know, if you're playing nine ball and you break and you scratch on the break and you get ball again, and then the next time, later in the match, you break and scratch on the break and now you can only put the cue ball behind the head strength. That's two different rules for the same infraction, right? You can't, you can't do that. But with it also was brought to our attention with straight pool, the way it was played originally, and I don't know if there's an official rule book, but the player, and, and if it's obvious, the referee, who appeared not to be paying very much attention because... He said he didn't hear Earl call the two, and he might, he can't be paying attention. If it's an obvious shot, the referee calls the shot so that the other player and the spectators know what that shot is. If you watch old Moscone Fats and uh, Moscone Fats uh, matches playing straight pool, Orsetti he used to do it. He'd say he'd call the ball for them if it was obvious. That way, the player has the opportunity to say, oh, no, no, I'm not playing that shot. I'm playing this shot, right? Yeah. Or the player says, I'm playing the 10 in the corner. And the referee then announces, 10 ball corner pocket. That's all he's got to say. And yeah. if it had been... I. I mean, I don't know the referee. I don't know the, the tournament director, but that's where yeah. it, it fell apart. And to be honest, yeah, but, I think, Jason, if it had if gotten the call, 
I'm not sure that there'd have been any real freaking glory in it for him to win the match anyhow, you know? You don't really win like that, do you? Yeah, I mean, it's one of them situations. I mean, like, that referee, that particular referee, refereed the final for the last, let's say, all the years I've played, which is like four or five years. But uh, what happened is that, obviously, like you say, that uh, the uh, the old world straight pull, or like in straight pull in uh, general, the referee used to call every shot, and that was a rule back then. But back then, I think they had more referees, where now, obviously, we only have the one referee, and we've got, like, let's say, 12... 12 tables being used, being used for the event. So obviously it's difficult to police that because there's not enough referees. But, well, in the finals, but in the finals, he used to do this. He used to call every shot. And then what happened is that one year I was playing Thorson in the final and I said, look, I'm not being funny, but I played the whole event without, without, without the referee calling every shot. And it's a little bit off. Or putting when you've never when you've never had it before. I mean, like a referee call in every shot when it's obvious where I'm shooting. So I said to the referee, I said, "Look, I prefer it if if you don't call every shot I'm playing." So obviously he went to the uh, time director, which was uh, John Layman, and he 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 come back and agreed. So then, like the referee just uh, sat there and watched really, and he he racking the ball. Uh, so it probably so to be honest, it was probably my my fault really. <laughs> I sort of changed the rule for the finals, really, just because of that situation. But I, I didn't like the referee uh, right. call, calling all the shots. Well, uh, I, I, say, I mean, uh, but the rules are the rules. It, I mean, like, the, the referee still called the foul on Earl the first time. So uh, it's obvious that we all heard Earl on the, when they played the uh, tape back. Uh, you could hear him uh, say the two ball if you listen very, very carefully. And this is what the Thomas director did like. But when the Thomas director looked at the replay, he was the only one to view it and listen to it. Uh, the commentators got muted, which I wasn't too happy about. Uh, uh, so when he came back, he, he, uh, and, and so, so after he's listened to the uh, re- replay, he's had a meeting with, let's say, five or six different people like Charlie and a few other players. Uh, and obviously the officials, and then and then he's then he's like gone back into the arena after that, and it took him like five minutes to to come with a call. He's like going around in circles, uh, making uh, a big uh, circus of it, really, which I didn't really like at all. There was no need for that. He should have just got straight to the point uh, for the benefit of the players and and the crowd, really. Uh, and obviously, obviously. In his opinion, I think he changed his mind. I think he, I think he heard the call on the uh, re replay, and he, I think he actually said even before he he, uh, he went to view it. I think he said, "Look, if you've called the two the two ball, it's going to be lost the turn." I'm I'm pretty sure that that is what got said, and so obviously I think when he's come back, he's he's obviously seen he's seen the shot, and obviously. He's thinking, well, it's obvious he's played the ten ball, which we all know, and I think I, I think I think they've changed their mind and uh, give Earl the call, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, but I don't disagree with it. I just don't like. But where the, where the referee got it wrong, in my opinion, is that he shouldn't have called the first one. He should have just said to Earl, "Look, uh, be careful, like when when you call in the balls, like to make right. to make sure you're right. going to call the right ball." And uh, I think Jason would have been fine with that. And then Jason wouldn't have even questioned the second one. I, I know that for a fact. 
spoke to him many times. I know him inside out. And if Jason was playing me, or he was playing like Mika, he would never call the shot anyway. It's just like, I think because there was that much drama in the match, and, and Earl been Hurl, I think, and, and obviously getting called for the first, first one, it, it, it just built up to that situation, and the emotions just get the better of you sometimes, and I think that's what happened, really. Because if I had been playing Jason, there's no way I would have called it on him. I would have said, look, uh, the, I mean, the first time, uh, the, the first time I, I, wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have accepted the call if I was playing someone like Jason or like a Tarson or like a Mika, or even Earl. I, I, I said, look, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to take it, but, but next time, just make sure you uh, call the right ball. And then, yeah. and then, like the situation's over, really. Uh, you, well, you said you, you were inst- you were instrumental in changing the the referee calling. And I understand what you said. You've got all these tables going. You can't have a referee each one. I get that. But when you get to the semi-finals, yeah, you know, even quarterfinals, you know, you're not that short of people. That you can't get a referee to do it. Yeah, I mean that, that's, that's the first thing. So they, they have to have it. But then the second thing is when you it, it, it's up to the tournament director or referee, whoever. If you say, "Look, I'm, I've been doing this without uh, uh, you know referee calling out," now he's kind of putting me off. He's distracting me a bit. Uh, it's, it's their call at that point to say, "Sorry if it's distracting you, but these are the rules." This is yeah. how it's done, and so it was up to them to make that call, not not you. You could request yeah. it. You could request anything you want. You could say, "I want all the breaks," but yeah, it, yeah. but you, you, that's not necessarily how it works. So you know, there is much they've, they've changed it from the original, and this is the oldest street pool tournament in the world, I guess. Uh, and so you know, it'd be and the Mickey Web vest. They're trying to stick by tradition. They should have stuck by tradition and they had uh, had the referee calling. And there's a good chance that maybe it'll change next year as a result of what's happened here. Yeah, but but I'll just say as well that the other reason why I asked him to not call is because there were about four or five occasions where it, where it's obvious which ball I was shooting, but he called the wrong number ball. So that's like distracting me also. I'm thinking... Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If so it's obvious where you're shooting yeah. and this calls the wrong ball, you've got to get up off your shot. Let's say. 
And yeah. uh, when you're playing the uh, finals of a tournament like that, you've got to be consistent and you've got to do your job good. I mean, like, the guy's a really nice guy, so I don't want really to like, speak bad of him because I really like the guy. But as a referee, he's, he's made some mistakes. And uh, in my opinion, after the mistake he made in the semi-final, he, sh- he shouldn't have anything to do with the final, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but at the, end of, at the end of the day, you think it was. Uh, it, it, you think the match went the way it should have. With who? With Owen uh, Jason should would it? Have, no matter what had happened, do you think it would have just been the same result, no matter what? Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, obviously, if Jason comes to the table at the end of the match, is is going to win the match. So obviously, it was a massive call. I mean, it it, it like the. The first, the first call he made in the match, the score was like fifty to fifty. So, like, it's very early in the match, so it's easy for the referee to make the call there. But, uh, but when it's like a situation where they've got to him, the score's like one ninety to one eighty four, and the next mistake's going to decide the match. And obviously, there's a lot more pressure in uh, to to call it. And I think that's what's happened, in my opinion, because you can you, you can clearly see the referees watching the game. And Earl doesn't speak quietly. When he calls the balls, he calls them very loudly. And uh, everyone I spoke to in the crowd all heard him call the two balls. Yeah. So I well, I, when he's, I when he's sitting right next to Jason, I mean, he's sitting, he's sitting less than 10 feet away from the table. So, uh, to me, uh, he, he, he must have heard the call, in my opinion. And, uh, but it's obvious what he was shooting. And he just... He wasn't strong enough to make a decision the, the second time, in, in my opinion, whether it's right or wrong. But if you called it the first time, uh, Jason should have got the call the, the second time. Because where do you, cause you go? If if you're going to call it once, you can't you can't go back on your word on on the second on the on the second time. Cause exactly. I've said that too. I've, exactly. And and you said it a little bit earlier that mm. Earl would have been better off not calling a freaking ball at all. Exactly. And I told Earl this outside. I says, I says, you don't need to call the ball. This is after the match is finished. And he's, out, he's outside. He, uh, feels, he uh, feels bad about the situation. I says, Earl, I says, why are you calling the ball? There's no need. I says, in my opinion, it, 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 you haven't done anything wrong. The only thing you've done wrong is called the wrong ball. But, but if I was you, I, I, I would have thought, thought, on the corner as well because obviously it's obvious which ball you're shooting but once you've done it once then the consistency is and uh, is that you should have probably got called the second time also uh, mm-hmm. but obviously mm-hmm. uh, it, obviously it's going to probably w- remain a mystery why the referee didn't call it and why the tournament director didn't call call it either and obviously no. Jason got Jason probably overreacted a little bit, but it's easy to do that when your emotions are running so high and you're playing in the semi-final. It's probably like the, the, the biggest match of his career. It would have been his first uh, final, you know what I mean, in a world championship. Even though it's not sanctioned, it's still a great title to win because it's got, it's got a lot of history. Yeah, and and, and you got put together with the, his, his frigging Scottish as well. I mean, yeah. if... Uh, Civilization ended tomorrow. Those Scots, you know, they go back to just slaughtering cattle, and I mean, there was no supermarkets or anything. They won't miss a beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a shame, a very, very shame ending to the match, and very, very <laughs> sad for all in general. Because anybody who's watching that from the outside, obviously, are thinking, "What's this?" But 
But the only the only upscale is that it's created a lot of drama, a lot of media, uh, and a lot of press. So uh, I mean, uh, I think any press is is a uh, good pool. Because uh, like the next time they play, people are going to want to watch uh, are going to want to watch the match. So no kidding. That's a, that's, a, that's a good point. There should be a rematch. That's a. That's I think it's good to have a bit of drama in pool, and I think it's good that. Not all the players get along, and because uh, the next time they play, it's a lot more interest in the game. And yeah. uh, uh, I, I, I uh, like it when there's a bit of uh, needle between the players. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a grudge match thing, isn't it? I mean, everybody, everybody thrives on that kind of thing. Um, but hey, it is what it is. The the yeah. second piece of news that's in this meeting going on, just I don't know, maybe the last couple of days. I was uh, watching on Facebook, and I keep seeing uh, Darren Appleton asking questions about what, what do Americans want to see? Eight ball, nine ball, ten ball? What kind of format? This and that. And that. Well, let's see, what is he up to? So that's when I... <laughs> he, he, he's up to something. Because you, you don't really get on there asking questions about that kind of thing. Um, so... Tell us what's going on. I know you've got uh, you're going to start a, a promotions company that's uh, Dynamite Productions, Dynamite Promotions, uh, Promotions, yeah, Dynamite Promotions. Well, I mean, when I used to play English eight ball, I used I used to run my own tour in the uh, northeast of the UK, uh, and that was pretty successful. Uh, but I, I run that for about. Uh, Maybe four or five years, but I, I run a lot of tournaments actually in 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 the north of England for like maybe ten years, and uh, so I, I have a bit of experience running events, and all the players who played in it they really enjoyed it, because uh, back then I wasn't I wasn't taking a penny out of the, the uh, money, because obviously I was one of the best players, so I was sort of like obviously setting the event up, and obviously I was uh, having success playing. So to me, it was all about just just putting the events on. So obviously, when I went from English eight ball to American pool, uh, uh, obviously I'm finding my feet in the game, and then I moved to America in let's say 2011. So I, I'm still pretty new to the game. Not many people know me really. I mean, obviously, I'm I, as as the years have gone on, like I've got more uh, uh, more well well known in the American pool world. Uh, then then obviously I've probably got a little bit more respected, more like uh, P. People get to know me better, and then so uh, two years ago, I run a tournament in uh, Romania, the Dynamite Open. Uh, uh, but that was but, but but that was like just a uh, I just sort of like did that on the spot. I was actually there to do some coaching, and then I said to the guys, "Look, let, let's run an event like under my name." Uh, so we did an event that same weekend. So it was a small tournament uh, with like thirty-two players which was pretty good like for like a last minute decision but just uh, and then I said to the guys look I'll come back and do it again next year and I'll get a lot more top players here blah 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 so I did it again last year and uh, created a really nice field Tarsa Norman Mika Himmenen uh, Nick Vandenberg uh, all them guys uh, so I, I, had, I had like 16 top players from Europe uh, plus the likes of Jason Clatt and John Mora people like that and uh, it was a really successful event uh, the atmosphere was great, and it was. But it only paid about four thousand, about four thousand dollars for the winner. Uh, but the 
reason why I did that tournament because straight after that event we had the tournament, uh, the World Nine Ball Championships. So it was sort of like a nice little stop before the World Nine Ball Championships, like a nice little warm up tournament. And uh, Mika won the event. Uh, Mika came in and won the event last year. So and uh, I mean uh, he really enjoyed the tournament, obviously. And then uh, then I was looking to do it again this year, but I, I was looking at Romania again. But the guy who, who hosted the event. Uh, I haven't been able to get in contact with him. Uh, I'm guessing he's got some uh, problems at home or whatever. Uh, so I couldn't get in contact with him. And then I, I, I was speaking about doing it in Greece uh, in March of next year. But the problem with Greece, with the economy the way it is, it's very difficult to get any funding, difficult to find any added money, sponsorships and stuff like that. Yeah, you, you can get the numbers, but, but you'd be playing for whatever you pay out, really. And obviously that would probably cost me money like to run the event. Uh, so I explained to the guy in Greece. I said, "Look, uh, uh, I'm not in. Re- I'm not really in a uh, position to run the event in Greece myself, really. Uh, but obviously, if you do any events uh, yourself, I'll I'll try my best to help you find like sponsors. So, and I, so I made sure I told him first that look, I'm I'm going to be doing the event in America instead. Uh, so he he was fine with it. Uh, so. Uh, so obviously at the weekend. Uh, so I've, I've been speaking about doing the Dynamite Open in uh, Steinway, uh, New York, for about maybe a, a month now with Manny, and then just sort of like just grabbing the ideas, how many players I think I can get, what entry fee to charge, kind of get added money, sponsorship stuff like that. So obviously spoke, 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 spoke to some of them people, and then at the weekend. Uh, Spoke to Manny in depth at the World Straight Pool Championships. So speak, speak, and a lot more there. And then sort of like thinking, oh, I'm getting quite, quite a good response here. And then, uh, uh, and then people said, oh, they'll like sponsor it, blah blah blah. And then I'm thinking, oh, if I do it right before the uh, Derby City Classic, then obviously it's going to be easy for the players to come and play my event because it's right before the Derby City Classic. So. So we, we put a decent event together. I'm thinking, you know, I'm probably going to have like fifty, sixty thousand uh, dollars in total prize fund uh, for like a one hundred twenty-eight man field. So that's going to pay decent. Maybe like fifteen thousand dollars to the winner. Uh, but what happened at the weekend uh, with the World Straight Bowl? Uh, even though I love the tournament, uh, I just don't agree with what they're doing regards the prize money. I mean, you've got forty-eight players paying six hundred dollar entry, uh, but uh, only like 4,000 added money and I find that amazing for a world championship so the prize money was very very low in the world straight pool championships and I'm thinking like the guy here I mean I, I got to the quarter final I won seven matches I was there for seven days I won $1,350 with a $600 entry my hotel was about six 700 and obviously with your food and your travel I end up losing money uh, by by being there for seven days, winning seven matches out of eight, and uh, I'm I I finished fifth, and I'm I'm losing money in 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 a world championship, and that's that really fueled that really fueled my uh, drive then to really to really get more involved with pool, and so ever since Monday, I mean now it's what Thursday now for, for the last three days I've, I haven't been off the phone. Uh, me and Angie's been working out a plan. Uh, been speaking to people like Manny, uh, a few other players, uh, a few sponsors, and then it just really sort of clicked. It just all clicked together very quickly, 
and I probably had about I probably slept about ten hours in the last uh, four or five days. Uh, I've just been doing nothing but thinking about this. It's like uh, just like uh, very excited, really. So when I put all the plans together, and then I decided instead of doing a, a dynamite open, I've decided to do a World Eight Ball series. So it's going to consist of eight uh, of uh, four four events throughout the year. The first the first event is going to be January the 14th to the 17th, and it's going to and and we're going to. The reason why I'm playing eight ball is because uh, after all the feedback and really looking at, at the grassroots of the game and looking at the uh, uh, which which game is the most uh, well uh, most played and the well known throughout the world, it, it's eight ball, and that includes snooker also. So uh, eight ball pool is the most famous billiard game in the world, and uh, every amateur can uh, can uh, attach to it. And I think that's the route we should be going down is uh, is 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 uh, eight ball pool because that's what everybody plays in the majority of the leagues. Uh, and uh, I think I think if if uh, somebody's going to build the game, then we have to start from the grassroots of the game and I think this is a great opportunity for amateurs who are going to come into the game and looking to turn professional or playing uh, bigger events and obviously that I, I want them to look at this event as like the benchmark really and uh, so so also I'm going to be running qualifiers throughout the country and throughout the world for the first event I'm looking at doing 16 to 32 qualifiers uh, around around the world and obviously, that's going to generate more more money for the tour, for the uh, event. And obviously, with the entries and the added money, uh, the first event's going to be paying about eighty thousand dollars in prize fund. Uh, uh, that's like a minimum right now. But I've still got quite a few meetings to go. I've got quite a few meetings in the next uh, three or four days. And uh, if these meetings are successful as well, then we'll be over uh, one hundred thousand dollars for each event so I'm looking at paying out between four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars in the first year alone. So it's a big undertaking. I mean you know you when you're talking about running thirty let's just say thirty qualifiers around the world, um are you what's what is that gonna do to your pool game? I mean you, well, I know you've got your you've got your cell on Angie's working there, and you've got your pro career in pool. How are you going to be able to manage all of this stuff? Because it's it's not easy to do. Yeah, I agree. But I've got maybe uh, on my on my team, I'm going to have about five five or six people working on the tour. So obviously, I'm going to uh, I'm going to give each person a job. Uh, not not just at the event itself. But obviously, uh, away from there as well, like with the marketing and stuff like that. And uh, Angie really specialises in uh, marketing and uh, computer work, really. And uh, obviously, uh, I can do a lot myself as well. I, I have a lot of free time, even though I, I play pool professionally. Uh, I sort of, I sort of do enjoy uh, in uh, in interacting with the fans. Let's say I think I'm one of few players what do really. And uh, I'm I'm happy to answer people's questions and all that stuff. And uh, I think I think that's a big thing also. And obviously, it's a new uh, goal, really. It's a new uh, pro project for me. And uh, obviously, 
I know, yeah, it, it might take a bit of time away, but I can still play the game to the same level. There's no doubt in my mind that I can do that. Uh, but, but when it comes to the qualifiers, I just obviously there'll be one or two of us who will be, who'll be looking to get the uh, guys uh, the 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 pull rooms to run a qualifier. But obviously, I just tell them what what they've got to do and uh, what I require, and then like the rest is up to them really. Uh, and you say it's re- the majority is going to be in New York, and so you've got all the people that you need that are going to be either around or in that area that can be hands-on and, and and there to do what you need them to do, which is a good yeah, which, yeah. which is a good thing. It's hard to do it from a, a, yeah. Yeah, and, and a, the, another place. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the qualifiers will take care of themselves. I mean, I'd rather do, like, 16 or 32. I mean, like, to be honest, I think 16 would probably be, like, the right number for the first, first year, like, for each for each event. So obviously like whoever wins that qualifier is obviously going to get his, his expenses to come and play in the event. Uh, plus his entry fee then obviously uh, uh, so I'll probably like realistically we'll probably get like 16 qualifiers at each uh, for each event uh, the first the first year and then obviously if it's really successful then obviously I'll be able to run a, uh, be able to run like a lot more qualifiers in the future and I'll be able to and and if we generate a, uh, money also then obviously I'll uh, be able to, to to give that job to uh, a uh, a person right and make it make it a full-time job for them because obviously obviously if, it, if it's a success then obviously it's, it's going to be worth it and it's going to be successful uh, but the good thing is that I've got quite a lot of added money so far. Uh, now I'm just working on which is the right entry fee. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to go ahead now. It's going to be called the World Series of 8-Ball. Uh, event 1 is going to be called the World Grand Slam. Uh, sorry, like the World Grand Prix. Uh, it's going to be 8-Ball. It's going to be single elimination, race to 13, over four days. And then uh, from the last 16 onwards that's where the prize money will start so for the guys who don't who don't qualify for the last 16 there'll be a second chance event uh, which will be called the world world grand prix challenge and that will be like uh added money also and it will be a lot smaller entry to what the main event is but also that that event alone for the first event will be uh twenty thousand dollars in uh, in the prize fund so and that will pay about five thousand dollars to the winner. But uh, but events events number one to three, uh, the first event's going to be called the World Grand Prix, and the main event's going to pay between sixteen to twenty five thousand uh, dollars. That's pretty much guaranteed. And then the the challenge event's going to pay about five thousand dollars to the winner. That 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 will be paid out to the last thirty two. And the challenge event, the main event, which is the Grand Prix, that will be paid out to the last 16. Uh, every every event will be uh, single elimination. Uh, the main event will be race to 13 until the final. The race, the final will be race to 15. We're playing eight ball, win a break, break outside the box, got to hit the Ed ball. So that means you've got to hit the one ball, and uh, and there'll be I I break prize uh, for the most racks run. So, for example, if uh, someone like Shane runs seven racks and uh, nobody beats it, he'll he'll get a two uh, a two thousand dollar bonus. Uh, so and, you say this is on uh, this is on, on big tables. 
on big tables, yeah. And uh, I'm also looking to get nap cloth, nap cloth for the tables, and uh, and uh, we're looking at like four and a quarter inch pockets. Uh, so it's sort of like going to be like the IPT, but a smaller version. But obviously, I'm going to do it do it properly and try and build it slowly, not just like come out with this like silly money and then uh, fold after six months. I'm looking for the future and uh, to grow it. And I think eight balls the way forward. But the best way to play eight ball is break outside the box, uh, break outside the box with nap cloth and it in the front ball, because uh, that will make the game a lot tougher. Where it break if you're breaking in the box with a template, then the, the break's too easy because the uh, the second ball's down a, a, a wide into the into the side pockets. And uh, eight ball obviously once the table's open is a bit easier game than it is playing ten ball and nine ball. Because you've got the old the old option of the table after the break, where like nine ball and ten ball, you you got to shoot the lowest number of ball. So even though you get a really good break at nine ball and ten ball, you still need a little bit of luck to get a shot on the lowest ball. Great ball, you're sort of ninety nine percent guaranteed a shot on the ball if you make a ball on the break. So I'm going to make the conditions as tough as possible. Uh, and obviously, like I said, the first event's going to be called the World Grand Prix. There's going to be a challenge event as well, like I said. And uh, it's going to be single elimination, so it'll be right races to 13, races to 15 in the final. The challenge event will be race to seven, and then uh, the, the races will go up once you get to the uh, money rounds, like to nine, and then the final will be a race to 11. And then the second event, I'm looking at calling it the World Match Play. Uh, the World Match Play, same, same, uh, same format again. And then the third event will be the World Grand Slam. Same again, it'll be the same... Uh, Format and then the grand final uh, will be more added money and uh, slightly higher entry fee. Uh, not quite decided on the end, the end, the entry yet, but there'll be about a forty thousand dollar in increase for the grand final, uh, which will be the uh, World Series Open, and uh, that will pay uh, that event will pay minimum uh, twenty five thousand dollars to the winner, but we're looking at like. $30,000 and the challenge event that will pay a minimum of uh, $7,000 to the winner. So yeah, that, I, I, we're looking at we're looking at between the, the in the first year between 400 to $500,000 in uh, prize 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 money. And uh, I think we've got maybe so far I've got about uh, I've got about about $90,000 in added money. So it's pretty good. I'm pretty light surprised how much uh, support I've received so far from sponsors. I uh, don't want to reveal the sponsors yet because uh, still talking to a few. Uh, but at the moment, we've got like five or six sponsors and I'm looking at a few more and uh, a few people who uh, who are not really sponsors but uh, obviously got, got plenty of money. They've offered to help as well, so uh, things are looking great. But I think for the first year, I'll, uh, all the events will probably be in the same venue. Uh, just for like save saving minute, uh, just for saving money, and obviously just build build the town. And obviously, if it's a success, then we'll look to move around the country. Really. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it sounds it sounds awesome. Uh, I yeah. I hope it uh, all works out. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's it's just it's a lot of work, and I know from talking to you before. I mean, you. Are you 40 yet? Yeah, I'm 40 now. Yeah, I mean, I'm 40, so I think it's the right time for me. I think it's my time. I've got really, really frustrated with the game, let's say, the last three or four years with how it's organised, uh, how much money 
he's taken out of the game and take, taken away from the players. The way the players have been treated, I mean, uh, obviously I'm a player, so I know. And uh, we discuss these things between ourselves all the time, and it's just really, really disheartening, frustrating. So that's all. So all this stuff, really. I mean, it's just really put fire in my belly, really, to do something about it and uh, make a tour for the players. So this is going to be a players' tour. Everyone's going to love the rules, uh, and uh, obviously uh, all the entry fee and there's going to be guaranteed added money goes into the players' pocket. Uh, and obviously myself and my team, we 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 will make money from uh, the the advertising side and uh, uh, stuff like that, like the the the, the, the uh, door door money, uh, stream money, all 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 that that stuff. I mean, like so so like there's there's a happy. Uh, I mean, like uh, the players, the the players are going to be playing for really good money and. Every entry fee what is given is going to be paid out, and obviously there's going to be added money as well. But obviously, uh, I'm not going to do it for free because uh, obviously it's going to be like a lot of work. So obviously, and, I, and I've got a team, but luckily I'm I'm in a position where I uh, I uh, I I can make make money as well, and and obviously make the players really happy at the same time. Well, there's not. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you something. First of all, there's nothing wrong with making money uh, for for doing what you do. Yeah. Um, because you know, there's a lot of people who say, "Oh, well, you're making money off of this, and you know, you should do it for the love of the game." Well, you know, when they come and shut your cable TV off, then yeah. you know, you, you tell them that you were doing it for the. Look at what I did for pool. This. Gonna say fine. We cut you off on Tuesday. You know they, they don't they don't care about that. So you do have to get paid for what you do. And so uh, you know don't don't ever in my opinion don't ever be ashamed. I'm glad that you said it. And you yeah. should say it out loud. I'm I'm gonna make money off of this. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Everybody's gonna come out a winner, as, as yeah. uh, Rockefeller said and Barry Hearn said. As long as everybody comes out of it with a little bit of bread in their mouth. That's gonna be that's good that's a good thing, right? And and yeah. that's what and that's what you that's what you want. And you want the organization now, but you know, I'm working on a couple of things myself with some prominent people in the industry that are uh, behind uh what I'm trying to do well, what what we're trying to do is not me, it's not really my thing. But having uh the structure and the organization where Nobody's game. You know what? I'm gonna say nobody's game fucked on the deal because it seems like people are getting fucked on the deals. You know, all the time. Whether it be players, uh, you know, going out and and spending eight days. This thing, and I'm not having to go at Charlie Williams. Yeah. Uh, Earl Earl said he was there for seven days or something, but he didn't have the expenses to deal with that everybody else did either. Because that's yeah. his home pool room. I don't know what his deal is with them, but he yeah, didn't have to, he didn't have to get a, a two hundred dollar a night hotel either. Um, yeah. But he's he, he played in a tournament, came second, and won four thousand dollars. Yeah, that's and, and, and apparently the promoter made thirty thousand. Now I don't know where that number came from. Yeah. Uh, but 
And there's nothing wrong. Again, there's nothing wrong with making money. I'm not saying that Charlie should do Charlie Wolf should do these things and not make any money. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a little disproportionate, and I don't want to sound like Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama, but it's a little disproportionate considering who's actually there, the professionals, the talent, the pay-per-view money. He's not there. If you had me and Dave Bond playing in a tournament together, the pay-per-view would make nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> the, so the talent, you, 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 I, I'm, I'm kind of mixed as, as, a, as a promoter. You know, if I'm all the risk, you know, I should be able to reap the rewards as well. But I, I don't know how, how it gets to such a disproportionate amount of money that somebody yep, makes yep. 4000 for coming in second in a mm. tournament. In a, a tournament that a lot of people have a lot of interest in. And the promote makes... Do you know where that number came from? That $30,000 came from? Well, the problem I've got is that uh, obviously Dragon Promotions is a big company and uh, Paul's just a small portion of their uh, their uh, company, their job. I mean, they, they do a lot of sports. They cover a lot of sports now. Uh, but the problem I've got is that when you know there's added money there, right, you know for a fact there's added money in in uh, being given to them. Right. I know for a fact. Uh, so when you're only adding $4,000 on top of the the entry fees, and then to me, I don't think that's good because, especially when you uh, when you've got a rough idea how much they're taking in. So, so that, so that, so that to me is a little bit sad. I mean, nobody should work for free, like you say. I mean, in any job. Uh, so obviously, I understand they've got to make money, uh, but uh, but when you put an event on that size and uh, and everything else, I think uh, the players warrant a bit more added money. Even if it's like ten, fifteen thousand thousand dollars, it makes a big difference, especially for a six hundred dollar entry fee, and uh, for a world championship as well. I mean, uh, four thousand dollars for finishing second in a world championship is very, very poor, especially when uh, two or three years ago, you, I mean, it was twelve thousand to win the, the year I won it, and then I think it was like six thousand for second. So obviously, the, the money's declined. So that's a problem also. So and also because the money's declining and the expenses are so high, the field's gone from like being a world class field to an average field. I mean, don't be wrong, like there's still ten or ten or twelve world world class players in the field, but out of the forty eight players, there's only like ten, twelve players who can win the tournament <laughs> where where like three, four years ago, there was maybe 20 players who could win the tournament. I mean, like 20 world-class players. So, obviously, he's losing more and more world world champion players every year. And I think that's going to continue uh, if if the prize money remains uh, what it is now. And this is the reason why none of the players travel from Europe, Asia, to come and play in the event, because the expenses are going to be like $2,500 before they hit the ball. So, then, obviously... Uh, they'd have to get to the uh, semi-final to break even. I mean, that's not easy to do. So, so I, I haven't got a problem with organisers making money, but it seems to me that a lot of them are making a lot more money than, let's say, the, the winners making. And uh, that's that is the biggest problem, in my opinion, is that when they're when the organisers around the country they're doing it for themselves and not the game and the players, in, in my opinion. So. 
my mindset is that I'm doing it for the players. That the players going to make a lot, uh, the winner of of my event's going to make more money than me. That uh, and that's the way it should be. And uh, uh, obviously, you you just pick out what's fair. I mean, uh, you 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 do your figures, and long long as you don't get greedy, everyone's going to be very happy. And that's what it's about for me. Is is uh, obviously put, putting on a really good tournament, uh, good rules, good. Good show, and uh, make sure everyone goes home happy. And uh, that's another reason why I'm doing single elimination because you can you can pay you can pay more money out to the top 16 than you can if it was double elimination. So that was an, a, a, another reason why I'm doing single elimination. So, for example, if someone like uh, if someone okay, like let, Warren, let me let me ask you a question real quick on that. How is it how is it less money? How can you pay more money in single elimination than double elimination? What, what's, the, what's the difference? I don't, I don't know. I'm honestly asking. Because for double elimination, you've got to play a lot more matches for the start. And then, so if a player wins like four or five matches and he doesn't get any money, I, I think that's a little bit harsh. Where if you've got like a 96-player field, which is probably what my event will be, or a 128 at the max, he's only going he's only going to win... Uh, He's only got to win three matches to make the money, right? Uh, but, for example, if if he reaches the last 16 in a single elimination event, uh, the guy that the guys what finish in the last 16 in my event are guaranteed to cover their expenses, whether they've come from Philippines, Europe, or wherever. They 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 will at least break even on on the trip, and I and I think that's what it's about, like bringing value value to the tournament where if I play double if I play double elimination with 128 players right I'd have to pay maybe I I would have to really pay 32 players so what happens then is that you've got to pay the guys who finish number 25 to 32 and then you've got to pay the guys a different prize money for the guys who finished uh, 17 to 24 so that's a big chunk of money and then you've got to pay like a different prize money for the guys who finish number 13 to 16 and then you've got to pay like different for the guys who finish 9 to 12 so like the money oh, okay, okay 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 I, I got you so in the end the guy like if I did double termination the guys what finish 9 to 12 would probably lose money on the trip if he was coming from Europe and so it's not easy to get to the final eight of any tournament especially when it's a world class field so that's so this is the main reason why I'm doing single elimination. It, 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 it's a lot easier to run, and uh, everybody knows where they stand. And the only reason why double elimination tournaments were brought in in the first place is because it, it, it all started with uh, pool room events, and they just wanted to keep the players in in the room to generate uh, money behind the bar. That, uh, like, if you look at any other sport, there's no other sport in the world where it's uh, double elimination like tennis, golf, all that stuff, soccer. I mean, obviously, like, you might have, like, a round-robin round, round robin group, but, but after that, it's single elimination. But most sports, like bat, snooker, tennis, it's all single elimination. And uh, I think people people uh, prefer that. I think the fans, anyway. And uh, I think what's going to happen, what's going to happen from that is also the... Um, which is a, a thing that I've been kind of preaching a little bit, 
the, the, the cream is going to rise to the top in that particular situation. And you're going to have, over a period of time, it's going to change. You know, I mean, you go from, you know, we were snooker, you know, uh, Steve Davis, and then Stephen Hendry, and Ronnie O'Sullivan. You know, it, it goes in stages. There's always, but you're always going to have your superstars that are there. And it's people that people can relate to and say, I like this guy. I'm going to watch this guy because I want him to win. Or I hate this guy because I don't want him to win. I want to see him lose. You know, it's that whole uh, when Snooker ruled the world uh, thing. You know, when he had Jimmy White and Steve Davis and Alex Higgins and all those guys. People were crazy about it because they, they had somebody they wanted to love, somebody they wanted to hate. Women had a, a guy on there that they fancied, whether it be Cliff Bolburn or Tony Knowles, you know, and he, that's what brought the spectators, and he brought the sponsors, and he brought the money, and everybody was very, very happy. And, yep. you know, and, and it's structured. That's the thing. Yep. You're talking about the same thing that, I'm, that I've been talking about is structure. You, it's like the wild, wild west out there, man. You know, yeah. you, there's tournaments going off all over the place that some aren't worth a crap, but players are having to go to them just to try and make a living. And even then, Incredible. half the time they can't make a living because even if they win, they come out losing by the time they get done with everything that they've had to pay out. Or, or they just don't go at all. So there's no attraction for fans to go and see. Because yeah, I'll, give you a, I'll, I'll give you a, a great a great example, right? There's a guy in Europe, in my opinion, is is a top six player in Europe. I don't want to mention his name because it's not fair. But this guy played every Moscone Cup event this year for Europe, uh, what, what, what consists of European ranking points, right? There's four events on the calendar, right, which is a tier tier three tournament, but, but every point makes a difference to qualify for the uh, Moscone Cup. And this guy's in the top ten in the ranking. He's played four events uh, around Europe, uh, and each one of them four events paid twenty five hundred euro to the winner. I mean, that to me, it, it, it shouldn't even be discussed as a Moscone Cup ranking event because second place gets let, let let's say like twelve hundred euro, and then third place gets like seven hundred euro. So this guy scored points in in all four of them. All four of them events, he scored points. And one of the events, he got to the semi-final. So after them four events, he was really consistent in these four events. But after them four events, he was €2,000 out of pocket. I mean, that to me is just incredible. That's about $3,000, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, these events, uh, I mean, uh, uh, but the formats as well, like, are terrible. And then on, and then on top of that, they're playing, like, races to seven and stuff like that. I mean... I mean, he's just like tossing coins, really, uh, at that level, playing like a race, a race to seven nine ball. I mean, it's just crazy. But I understand why the organisers do it, because they make the format crazy. I mean, there was a tournament at the weekend in uh, Holland. I mean, there was like uh, five different formats in one tournament. I mean, it, I've, I've, I've tried to read it twice, and I, I, I still don't understand it. So, and then... I mean, I mean, like, but it's double elimination, and they're playing group double elimination, and then uh, uh, single elimination from the quarter final. But 
but a lot of these events also they're paying too deep they're playing too deep and uh, they're paying like uh, 50 euro like for getting to the last 32 I mean I mean uh, to me it's a bit of an insult uh, so so to me it's all about bringing value to the tournament value to the players and if you're good enough you'll make money in, uh, playing my event if you're not good enough then you'll, you're going to lose you're probably going to lose money, but uh, but that's the same in every sport all around the world. But the good thing with my tournament is that even if you get beat in the main event, there's going to be a second chance event, and that and that's like for an extra and the end the entry fee is going to be roughly around 150 dollars, and it's guaranteed uh, 5,000 added money. So so that so that event is like a second chance to try and win some money or at least break even on the trip because like it's going to pay five thousand dollars to the winner. So even though both events are single elimination, I mean like the main event single elimination, at least if you do get beat, you you have the chance to try and uh, salvage Recoup. the weekend. Right, right. Salvage the weekend. But the good thing with single elimination, you can play longer races also instead of playing like races to seven. I can play races to 13 because it works better with the schedule, the format, and I can make sure there's plenty of time between each session. So obviously I've I've, I've done like a lot of homework and uh, I've got it covered really. And I, I think what I'm going to do is going to really be uh, uh, successful. Well, I hope so. I, re- I hope it's going to be It's going to be very easy to follow and I'm going to make sure the players get a lot of media and uh, interviews and stuff like that, and just make it, just put a good show on. I mean, uh, try and try and do something different for every event, like to make it interesting. And uh, but really, just just I mean, this this talk to me is all about the players and the fans, and uh, people are going to see who the best players in the world are at April. I mean, after two or three years, there's going to be ranking systems, everything else. Uh, they're going to see who who really is the best eight eight ball player in the world. Well, it sounds like you're doing it all for the right reasons. So uh, that's always that's always a, a good thing, you know. It's not it's, it's, grab the money and run. So um, yeah, I wish, I especially in in America at the moment. I mean, it, it's crying out for nine foot nine foot uh, competitions. I mean, bar tables like uh, really sucking the uh, the nine foot table events away. So I, obviously, I'm going to have four events. And uh, I'm 99 percent sure each event's going to be a Moscow ranking event. So that's uh, four four more quality events for the uh, Americans to play in America, where they can make money. In in sort of like chasing around the country, uh, losing money just just to try and get points for the Moscow Cup. And this is the only reason why I don't play in Europe because there's no money. And for me to go to Europe and play in the Moscone Cup Euro- European rankings, let's say I play on the what is it five events they have on the Euro Tour, the other four four events they have, uh, which are tier three events, uh, like the UK Open, the Bergen Classic, whatever it's called. I mean, I mean, I would need like roughly about twenty thousand euros to go and play them tournaments. And well, to to your flame, I think you you got me going. It's for you and Angie to go and have a working vacation and visit <laughs> yeah. Europe. You know, that's what you got me looking at. But uh, but it's crazy. I mean, it would cost me like minimum twenty thousand euro, and I worked it out. That's nine tournaments. I would need to get to the final of every event to break even. 
Oh, well, yeah. yeah. It's, so, uh, well, it's, so, a, it's, that's a, it's a conversation I've uh, had uh, with a, a couple of people on 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 this side, and we can we'll talk we can talk about it later. But it's uh, it's a it's a it's a point that there's um, Europeans that are here in America that yeah. don't it, 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 they want Moscone Cup points but aren't able to get them because the cost outweighs the, you know, the squeeze is not worth the juice or whatever they say. But I'm going to leave it at that with yeah. it's a positive thing. I think it's good. I think you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, I've got to wrap this up, but mm. I, I do want to say, I want to tell you something. I want to thank you personally for something. Yes, we, I was looking through some photographs yeah. the other day. Mm-hmm. There's a, a picture of you, me, and Johnny outside in Graceland. Oh, yeah, yeah. And when we went to see the king. And I went, oh, man. And I was talking to Jessica, my wife Jessica, and said, you know, I wasn't going to go. I've been to Memphis a number of times and never gone to Graceland. And we were in the van, and we were on our way to Memphis, and you said to me, in no uncertain terms, you said, we, are we going to go to Graceland uh, to me and Johnny? And we, oh, yeah, let's go. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go. And you said, Mark, you're a fucking idiot if you don't go to Memphis and, and go to Graceland and when you got a day off. Yeah. And I said, all right, I'm going to go. i tell you what, it's one of the coolest things I ever did in my life. Yeah. And I, and I would have done it unless you called me a fucking idiot. So thanks a lot. <laughs> I mean, obviously, to not to go to Memphis and not go to see the king is a crime, really. <laughs> and, 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 and we got there, and you said, it was your fourth time there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, history. I mean, it's like one of the things... Everyone should see, really. I mean, uh, uh, the guy's an icon, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I've had Elvis songs going through my head ever since. It's always in my head. But, uh, I'm, I'm going to put, put some more videos up on the internet. Of uh, I mean, the second biggest thing for me is to go to uh, Seattle to see uh, Bruce Bruce Lee's uh, statue and see his uh, gravestone. <laughs> Where is it? One day. Seattle. Seattle? Yeah. Bruce Lee's... Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he lived there. What, you fancy yourself a bit of Kung Fu guy or something? I'm just a massive fan of Bruce Lee. That's right. Into the the dragon, baby. I'm a massive fan of him, and you're like a massive fan of the king. (laughs) I've never heard uh, that... Johnny's a massive fan of uh, Lionel Richard. (laughs) 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 Did you see that? um, uh, I know, I'm I'm dragging this out now. Did you know that Daryl Peach was that freaking talented? Yeah, but when he's got a crowd, he sort of buckles and he uh, forgets the lyrics. (laughs) Really? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but when he's at home, he uh, he's uh, more confident. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, he uh, sings pretty good when he when he does karaoke when he's on tour, and then obviously the 
piano and that.
That's a done deal, ready to go. Mm. Oh, cheers, mate, yep. Yeah, that's definitely going to happen. Um, that Czechio tastes like shit, but apparently there's a lot of people like it. You still you <laughs> yeah. still doing it? You still liking that yeah. stuff? Yeah. yeah, I'm taking the drinks more than the tablets now. I've really found that, that the drinks are a lot, uh, a lot better for me anyway. The drinks are? Yep. You you get used to the taste. I mean, you you get used to the taste, and then obviously it's only a small can anyway, so you just drink it very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, good good stuff. Like the sooner the other players start uh, using it, they're going to benefit from it. Jason should have been taking it during the fourteen-one, shouldn't he? He did take it, but maybe he should have took two. <laughs> but maybe. Sure. Maybe you should give Earl like an old pack of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I love it. Yeah. All right, buddy. I'll I'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much for being here. And uh uh we'll I'll I'll sure I'll talk to you again very soon with all the things that are going on. Yep, no problem. Cheers guys, I'll see you later. Thanks a lot. All right. Well that that's that. American Billion Radio, Legends and Champions Report. I I don't know. That was a pretty good uh, interview. We got a lot of information, a lot of uh, plans that are coming up. It's all positive. Um, uh, and we got the inside of view of the Jason Earl uh, debacle that, that went on <laughs> and whose call it was. And we don't really know. We still we still don't know uh, what really happened uh, in whose mind. You know, you um, could have a little refereeing thing, I think. But that's the only negative. Everything else is positive. Uh, we appreciate you listening. As always, this is Mark Cantrell. And until next week, keep shooting them straight. <laughs>